river kingdoms are a constantly shifting group of city-states, kingdoms and fiefdoms, rising and falling through the machinations of would-be conquerors, wars, assassinations, games of politics, and dangerous monsters. South of Brevoy sits the Stolen Lands. Stolen from what and when are a matter of some debate. Currently overrun by bandits and monsters. Brevoy seeks to aid in the establishment of new kingdoms, buffer states, run by anyone strong enough and clever enough to carve a kingdom out of the savage wilderness. Caelan Thorne, the mercenary who would be king, believes he is that man. Herein lies his tale of wilderness exploration, monsters, politics, romantic entanglements, ancient gods, and war. Heavy indeed is the head that wears the crown. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Kingmaker, a Paizo Adventure Path. A word to our listeners. This game is often interrupted. Whenever this happens, you'll hear our editor's tone to let you know when a segment of recording has been removed until we resume gaming. Episode 62. So when last we left you, Caitlin yes. had um, chopped logs, Bryn had picked up boulders, you had met the mysterious Madame de Clarion. Yeah, she's creepy. <laughs> and, um... Well, that's actually... She wasn't particularly creepy in person. That's just all the potential go-roneness. <laughs> yes, I'm not sure if Caitlin had decided she was a, a vampire cleric of Garona or not. He doesn't know. But, um, she hit on him a bit. That doesn't really narrow it down for him. Well, she winked at you. Yeah. You're just so desperate for female attention that you... I'm really not. Not anymore. I have a hot wolf girl now. Mm-hmm. But you're still a guy. Yeah. I was just hoping if she was like Goody Niska, she might be unable to resist glaring at me. Because mm-hmm. I stand by that even if Niska was undercover, she'd be unable to resist glaring at me if I stared at her. It's certainly one theorem. Hitty hmm? ho. Ho ho. Ho ho. Ho ho. Uh, you are up for joustings. Yes. So I believe we cut straight through all this you... we, were, we were up to the um, yeah because yeah. we'd, we'd gotten up to the big dramatic yep. up to round one yep. One round one of the jousting yes Kaylin versus Rasseline yep so uh, these are pretty much they have all come out of Erebiti's wheel to give people the brackets yep um, then he spins the wheel again and starts doing the orders of them yep um and I think what we will probably do is just start with the Kaelin-y ones. That sounds fine. I figure um, we can run Kaelin's one and then tell how the other yeah, ones yeah. go, and that's not necessarily the, the in, order that the tournament took place, but it's in, more fun In that way. theory, there's some advantage to being the person who rolls out first because you have the maximum amount of rest between that and the next contest. Yeah. Uh, be it you're talking, you know, an hour here, so... Yeah, Okay, so Caelan Thorne versus Rastaline of Mivon. Yes. Do you have jousting rules in front of you? I do have jousting rules in front of me. Uh, can you add the initiative modifiers to them? Okay. Uh, those go on the ride checks, yes? Yes. So nothing at 10? 
Yep. One at fifteen. Yep. Uh, well, they are in fact the same as the damage, so five at twenty. Yep, sweet. So um, five at twenty-five. All good. Yes. The DC forty ride check gives you some pretty nice bonuses, but yeah, um, but you need to be. A, a superhumanly good rider to achieve this. Yeah, because Kalen couldn't pull off a DC 40 ride check even what's, if he rolled the 20. What's your ride bonus? 18. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, my max is 38. Which means you need to be amazing in order yeah. to do it. Which, unsurprisingly, if you're amazing on a horse and you are proficient with a lance, you're probably a really good jouster. Yeah. Hmm? Okay, and Kaylin, I assume, has spent the morning retraining all his feats back into Spirited Charge, Mounted Combat, Ride by Attack? You assume correctly. He's got Power Attack, um, the um, Ride by Attack, Spirited Charge, and yep. um, Weapon Focus Lance. Alright. And Rastaline. And he is using a Masterwork Lance, which pretty much is identical to his, you know, existing Masterwork Lance, so yep. I'll just use those stats. Yeah, the, on- the only point of um, any meaningful distinction is that these ones have been deliberately designed to be made of slightly lighter, less well-made wood, so that they splitter dramatically upon being hit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And we... Contest. Rastaline of Nivon versus Caelan Thorn of Stagthorn. <laughs> All the country's flags are up waving in the background. Yes. And Rastaline, down the other end of the field, sort of raises an arm to you, salutes you. Uh, you are offered your choice for shield or not. Presumably you double-hand your lance again. I do double-hand my lance Rastaline again. takes a shield. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You, the two of you ride past each other slowly, as you are supposed to do on the first one, and either glare at each other or play to the crowd for the challenge phase. Opposed, intimidate, or perform checks. Alright. Um, so, um, Caitlin is going to go with intimidate. Yep. Um, this is not going to, for Rasseline, this is not going to be trying to make her um, terrified of him, but merely... His, his solid, determined confidence. Yep. Uh, Rastaline is going to oppose this with her intimidation. Cool. Hmm? Hey. Uh, that's a cock die, which is yep. a shame because it's... Alright, that's much less good. Uh, that would be an 18. Okay, so you you endeavour to sort of look stoic as you ride past uh, her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Tough. Hmm? She doesn't glare you down for her one. She just rides past and you know, she, her eyes take you in, she nods slightly to you, but you can see behind her eyes, she is elsewhere entirely. She has centred and focused herself entirely on this. Awesome. Her intimidation of you is less that she scares you, and more that you completely fail to intimidate her because she's so deeply centred in herself. She, she um, Kaylin's, um, her mental focus is just such yes. that Kaylin doesn't rattle her. Yes, yeah. and it is to such an extent that it slightly rattles Kaylin. Yeah. You sort of go, hmm, she's, she's really focused on this now. Okay, and um, people are impressed by her regal bearing, and she gets a plus two to ride an attack. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we arrive at the end of the field and gallop yep. down the field towards each other. And what is the ride check you are aiming for? Uh, essentially, um, 
for your general interest, I am deciding the NPCs ones independently of what you are doing. You don't possess that information when you start. They don't possess information on what you're doing. Yeah, I'm just... You just have to trust the GM to not cheat, as usual. Yeah. So, now, by five the news, you saw it, bonus is just not that much good. Yeah, fail the ride check by 10 and you lose the joust. Yeah. You fall off your horse while you're riding towards them. I almost can't fail the d20, but the benefit for the 20, I, but I can fail the 25 and the benefit is just not that much greater. I'm going to go with the d20. There's a plus 2 to hit against your um, defensively oriented fighter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you go for a 20. Yep. She aims for a 15. I feel good about that decision. I just roll the three. And I make my D20 ride check. Okay. And the two of you ride towards each other. You will see Rasseline is is really focusing to stay in her seat. And Kaylin is a sufficiently good horseman that it will become immediately apparent to you that she is just not a good horsewoman at all. Um, she is a reasonably graceful woman by her nature. She has decent dexterity, but that's pretty much what's making up the entirety of her riding skill. She is just not a horsewoman. She has probably had enough training to give her, you know, the one last single rank in it kind of thing. But her skill lies elsewhere. Yes. And you ride down towards each other. Yes. And... Initiative? Initiative checks. Yep, and Kaylin gets a plus five bonus. Yep, and she gets a one. Ooh. Uh, 21. Uh, that will comfortably be her. She cool. is very quick off the mark, but not that comfortable in her seat. Uh, and... You ride down towards each other, and the lances clash out at each other, and you get to swing this first. Uh, you will see that she is taking a very defensive hit at you. As she angles her lance right down and brings her shield up, the bulk of it being shield, as she combat expertises her charge. Right, yes. Okay, so um, I get a plus two for being charging. Yep. A plus two for um, the ride check. Uh, hang on, no, wait. No, no I don't get a plus you do two. not, because you didn't pick the decent No, no, I get, a pl- I get a plus two for being charging. Yep. And um, uh, I've got... Yeah, mounted combat and spirited charge don't try to the attack roll. What about ride where I attack? That's a plus two cumulative. Is that to attack or to damage? Uh, so uh, I don't have. Sorry, I don't have all the details because of the printing error. Right, uh, ride by attack as an increasing plus two to all ride checks. Right, for checks. each round of the joust. Okay, right. Two checks. on the first, four on the second, etc., etc. Okay, I'll be So then. that's how you hit your forty. Is eventually you'll get high enough yeah. to hit that effortlessly. But that requires you to survive seven or eight runs of yeah. casting. And it was still, even with that additional plus two, I would have struggled to make the 25 with the three, so All right. it's still a good... Okay, so I'm just rolling into tap. Yep, you aim your lance towards her. And... Oh, that's a nice solid number. And that is... 32. Okay. So she is really turtling up behind her shield... And at the last moment, you swing high over it and catch her in the shoulder, dodging the shield and avoiding most of heavy combat expertise. Sweet. Uh, you have hit her, just. Okay, and then um, I roll damage. Yep. So the lance is a d8 
D8 plus strength. Um, times three. D8 plus strength, um, plus, um, five to damage. Yep. So, that is, that's, that's plus twelve. So because, you have spir- because you have spirited charge. Yep. You triple the damage that you deal normally. Yep. Then after the tripling, you add plus five to damage. Okay, alright, that's alright then. So I'll just work out my regular lance damage times three. Okay, so that's 14, 14 times three. I like, like the calculator down here. Yep. And that is 47 points of damage. Yeah, which is completely impossible for her to make that right check, given yep. she is not a terribly accomplished rider. So, as you ride down towards her, she brings the shield up, defend herself, uses her own lance very tentatively. She's clearly aiming to block you on the first blow and get the second one in. But you are simply too good. You level it round, you hit her, bam! <laughs> And she lands a very slight, just brushing hit against your flank, yeah. which you ride straight through. Yeah. You all answer the and hits her in the shoulder and explodes. Yeah. And she goes flying off the horse and wham, lands hard on the ground. And almost immediately she rolls back up to her feet going, ah, ah, <laughs> rubbing the shoulder. And doom, you're a winner! <laughs> Caleb advances. Yes. So um, Kaelin will um, slide down off his horse yep. and give her the firm arm yep. she, she doesn't seem terribly surprised by this outcome. Uh, yeah. Her um, her hopes of winning this are um, were not particularly good to start with. Yeah. Yeah. I, I rolled well. <laughs> okay. And you know, Kaelin will go watch the other matches. Mm-hmm. Kaelin advances into semi-final A. Sir Patod versus the True Knight of Thorn. Yes. Uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, um, the True Knight of Thorn unhorses him in a single blow. Yeah. Um, he is a, a fairly good jouster, it yep. must be said, from what you've seen of him in this and the... Um... Yes, he, I think um, he wasn't a startling rider as compared to Kalen, but he was very good with the weapons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, no, the, the last time you have seen him joust... Yeah. Um, it looks like he has substantively improved from that. Ah, good to know. He unhorses Sir Partog pretty easily. He just bowls him in the first round. Sweet. Okay. Good to know. True Knight of Thorn and Barces. Which means it will be him and Kaelin in the next match. Uh, Villamore Koth. Uh, versus Eugenio Varadu. Oh, interesting, this one. Um, she, because there, there is nothing in the jousting rules that prohibit her from doing so, she casts a bunch of spells while she's just sitting there yep. riding round on her horse. Um, they charge towards each other. She actually hits Koth first and staggers him, but he keeps his seat. Ah, uh, nice. And, you know, half a second later, he just wallops her with the lance. Yeah. And she goes, woof! Straight yep. off the horse, skidding across the field, it goes thump, and he KOs her. Ah. She does not get up. Oh, yikes. I presume the healers go check on her yes. and are like, yes. yes, she is not dead, but she is knocked out. Wow. Keep in mind that unless she's casting a bunch of spells to make her particularly tough, she, she is yeah. still kind of a frailer old lady. Yes, absolutely. Okay, still jogging on advances. Uh, Kundal versus the multi-talented Ord. Yes. Um, I'm very interested in this one as well. I'm not entirely sure of the outcome here. 
uh, they actually go to two two runs of this. Um, they Neither both, run horses the, either on the first on run. On the first one, they both on the first run they both miss each other. Uh, yep. Um, on the second run, they both hit each other, and neither of them unhorse the other one. Yeah. And on the third run, Kundal unhorses a horse. And you watch this, and then you see the odds makers who take bets at the start, then shifting the bets around. And Villamorkoth seems to be pretty heavily favoured to beat Kundal, based on what they're looking at. Yeah, that'd be my money. Neither Kundal nor nor Ord are actually particularly bad, but they seem to be a fairly even match for each other. Yeah. Whereas um, the Steel Jug and Orders are going to be a pretty tough beat. Okay, and that's the and that's the morning joust. And then Caitlin is taken off. Caitlin and the other contenders who are still in this um, are taken off to a large table that is set up groaning with jugs of mead. Uh, in Caitlin's case, Blackberry Mead from mm-hmm. Bixit Lixelberry, or whatever the fuck his name was. Yeah, we'll, we'll, have, a, we'll have them nicely turned around so people can see the labels. Yep. And a little discreet banner above, uh, uh, nearby will um, be advertising Blackberry Mead. And this is kind of set up in the middle of the fair so that you'll be actually watching the boasting while you drink. Oh, sweet. You know, and people come up and approach Caitlin for, um, you know, autographs and this sort of thing. There's juggling and performance and entertainment. Honestly, this is Caitlin's kind of party. And basically, um, you, your obligation via the rules is pretty much to sit here and drink, um... And unless you're doing anything else in the ilk of getting up to eat food or go to the bathroom or something in that neighbourhood. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, that said, it is it is not a drinking contest per se. It's not about who can drink the most booze. But the expectation is you'll be pretty trolly by the time you show up to the next bit. Sweet. Hmm? Whether or not that's true remains to be seen. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yes, but Caitlin isn't exactly going to drink like it's going out of fashion in terms of drinking as fast as possible, because that would get pretty ugly over a couple of hours. But he is going to, you know, be have a mug of mead in hand and be taking sips from it pretty regularly. The four morning jousts are spaced out around other entertainments, so that runs from about 9 to 12. Yeah. And then you go off and eat a big big fancy lunch. Sweet. And then from about 12.31ish onwards, you're expected to drink till about 6 in the evening. Sweet. Where you have your second joust, and then at midnight you have your last joust. Am I expected to drink between um, dinner and midnight as well? Yes. Excellent. Uh, if at any point you are unable to report into any of these jousts, then you lose them automatically. Yeah. I.e. if you have passed out. Yeah. But also if you happen to have disappeared between then and now. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons the drinking happens in public. Yeah. Is that a couple of people have just not showed up for their jousts as if somebody's coshed them in a back alley somewhere. Yeah. Caitlin will incidentally keep the plate mail on for today. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, nobody blinks at that, and in fact, everyone, um, everyone but Kundal is in plate mail here. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, although in the steel juggernaut <clears throat> place, it might not be so much that he is in plate mail as that he is plate mail. Uh, and <laughs> that could be interesting. Um, all of them sit down to dr- to eat and drink. Um, Villamore Koth appears to have like an actual sort of mouth plate in yeah. his um, in his helm, 
and opens it and puts food and drink in it, seemingly with no real difficulty. Um, <clears throat> whether or not he's drinking it, it's going somewhere. Yeah. Um, Kundal just kind of sits down and ah, yeah. drinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the True Knight of Thorns actually protests this. Uh, he claims that he, he says, I, this is, po- this is pointless. This is not a contest of skill. You know, and complains and, the various officials tell him, but we're here for fun, entertainment, as well as just skill. He says, I, I do not wish to unmask to drink. Ah, oh, well, I mean, you don't have to, but, but you kind of have to drink. Mm. And in the end, they set him up with some straws. Yeah. <laughs> because he will not open his helm to drink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone else has done it without blinking. Yeah, even even and even, even cough. Even cough. Who's never been seen in public without his armour. Yeah. But the True Knight of Thorns refuses to, um... Remove his mouth plate. Yeah. And absent of anyone making a big deal of, about this, they'll settle on a straw as a suitable alternative. Uh, I'm fine with a straw. I'm definitely keeping a lee eye on Koth and, um, watching for some kind of indication about whether he can be affected by alcohol. <laughs> uh, you are, um, welcome to give me a spot check as this wears on. Okay. Uh. Flat DC, he can't possibly oppose this. Uh, that would be a nine. Okay. It's definitely going in. Yeah. Um, you don't see, for example, beer leaking out the bottom of his, of his full plate or anything. Yeah. Um, and there's no indication that he's like, I mean, he could well be a golem that just has a stomach box where it's just all going that needs emptying periodically. But, um, he, um, he does actually get up periodically to go off to the bathroom. Yeah. At which point Kayla is not really about no, to follow no. him to see what's going on there. No, that's probably a bridge too far for um, diplomacy. But he does at least appear to put food and drink into his face. Okay, good to know. And, you know, after a couple of hours, this shows no signs of any being staggeringly drunk at all. Yep. On the other hand, everyone's just kind of sitting down. Yeah. All right. And then you have uh, some moments till the afternoon. Yep. And if you have nothing in particular you want to accomplish, we can skip on to the boasting. I'm happy to skip on to the boasting. Kalen's um, contribution to his national diplomacy is going to be somewhat limited while he's um, getting trolleys. And we go to the boastings. Yes. Boasting, boasting, boasting. Keeps those doggies moving. Okay. So, this tournament event is a test of boasting and storytelling. Uh, one that the audience anticipates highly. Um, most of the audience is getting steadily drunk along with Kayla. <laughs> um. The boasting holds the tradition of being the longest running Rushlight tournament event, beating out the Midnight Joust by a single year. <laughs> um, and basically, I can totally see that. That's the well, we're all drunk. Let's get on our horses, right, and shoot yep. each other with these lances. It's gonna be great. <laughs> so each contestant takes the wooden stage that's set up and boasts to the audience about one of their greatest accomplishments. Uh, there is no requirement that your boast be based in any fact at all. Yeah. And in fact, they, they are routinely so preposterous that people assume that they are 
at best exaggerated stories of something that actually happened. Yeah. The thing is, most of the posters are very convincing, but they go massively over the top. Yeah. Um, you are obliged to introduce yourself um, uh, or promote yourself as someone to respect or perhaps even fear. Uh, speak believably and convincingly about your mighty deed. Um, and be gracious towards your audience for giving their time to listen to you. Uh, made up of basically you need in there an intimidate check, a bluff check, and a diplomacy check, all at set DCs. Sweet. Um, then at the end you make a perform check for your overall performance as a boaster. Um, and effectively, uh, right, you get a point for each of those skill checks that you make. The diplomacy, the bluff, and the intimidate. Yeah. And then you multiply that by your perform check. Right, yeah. So your perform check is the one that really matters. Yeah. But if the only thing you can do is perform and you have no other social skills, you're a bit screwed. Yeah, because then you've got nothing to multiply. Correct. Yep. Alright, and we can tackle these in whatever order you please. Do you have a preference in all? For order in terms of what you think would be most cinematic? Uh, not in terms of what they're saying. In terms of where you would like Tristram to come. Uh, I have no strong um, alignments. Okay. Then um, I think third again is a good... Either third or first are good um, placings. Third or first? Third or first, okay. So, we will have third then, because there's going to be a lot of me... Yep, that will break it up. ...talking endlessly. Who is your, um... Who is your second for this? Your Ma- second PC? Michaela. Okay, uh, then Michaela... Uh, and Tristan, in fact. Um, you may want Tristan's character sheet for this. Yes. Get all the stats on it. Um, Michaela gets a spot check um, at a plus five bonus. Okay. And Tristan does as well. But... I'm happy to roll it. I don't have her character sheet over here, so you can... Um... Yeah, it's a plus five bonus. Yep. Uh, yes, I see. Uh, 18. She is adding five. 18 for Michaela. And for Tristram... Okay, 16. I get over the fact that he's got so, so spot. I'm so used to him being great at search. I keep thinking it goes the other way. So they will actually both spot this because it's reasonably obvious. Um, about five minutes before the boasting is due to start, lots of people are assembled around here. Um, the contestants are gathered off to one side. Um... Grigory appears to be the one representing Fort Drelev. Ah. Um, and as people look around to see what else is happening, uh, you will see um, Emeka Strun, uh, Drelev, uh, his wife, um, and Lady Quintessa Moray, who has been um, presumably around here somewhere. You haven't yet seen her anywhere, but she shows up for this. Yeah. Um, they have a conversation with Grigory, and then they step off to the backs of the crowd. Emeka Stroom waves his arms, 
and they all disappear in a flash of light. You have seen this exactly before. They're teleporting off. Ah, okay. Um, which is, you know, not inherently massively notable in and of itself, except for the fact that as Michaela keeps an eye out for them, they don't come back. Mm. They appear to have just left the tournament. Huh. At this point, it is extremely unlikely that Fort Dreadlip will win, but it's still theoretically possible. Yeah, so that seems slightly odd. Yeah. Packing up and heading home early. On the other hand, I can completely believe that Dreadlip is um, going, well, our chances aren't good, screw yeah, this. Yeah. And he's not having a fun dirty weekend with his wife here, anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, who. So, we will have a couple of people first. Uh, and again, I think we'll have everybody's random wheel of chance. Clickety, 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 D6. Yes. Uh, that would be a one. Uh, that would be... Representing the kingdom of Dagamark, Gallic Abelwyn. Uh, and forward comes a very fancy-looking gnome. He is dressed immaculately in what you would describe as a full-blown royal outfit resplendent with jewels and he immediately seems to command some attention from the crowd as he stands up with his sort of clothes make the man attitude Ah, Tristram was the right choice for this contest People applaud politely and Gellick stands up you know, looks the crowd smiles, waves several times Um, Wait, Gellick? (laughs) And he says, greetings greetings gentlemen, children and ladies I am Gallic Avalwyn, a recent visitor to Dagamark after some harrowing experiences <laughs> on the high seas of the Mwangi jungle. I could, I could spoil you for hours with harrowing tales of survival and sea monsters, but yet I've chosen something that I think you will enjoy a little more here. A recent occurrence to me in the River Kingdoms, this lovely place with its his eyes glaze over slightly fantastic environments. The little gnome looks very chuffed with himself. He says, You will learn as I speak that I am renowned for my keen wit, my good looks, and my overwhelming humility. Gentlemen, it would be wisest to keep an eye on your wives and daughters while I am around. (laughs) Do not think that I am warning you merely out of hubris. Oh, no, 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 I warn you. Because I have been looking for a challenge to match my last great feat. You see, earlier this year when I was travelling around the River Kingdoms on a lark, a late afternoon rainstorm drove me to seek shelter. Looking around for somewhere to spend the night, I happened to come across a secluded temple on the outskirts of a town on the outskirts of a town, the very edge of a forest, far away, untouched. I knocked upon the door, and it was opened by a very lovely young lady who asked me what it was I wanted. Oh, lovely lady, I said, and bowed to her. I seek shelter from the storm. Might I trouble you for a night's uh, lodging? She took one look at me, and of course, respected me, as she was right to do. (laughs) Gestures to his clothes. Certainly, sir, she said. We were just sitting down to dinner. Come, and I will introduce you to my fellow priestesses. And at the dinner table, she introduced me to her colleagues, uh, whose names as a gentleman I will forbear to mention. Each damsel my eye fell upon seemed more beautiful than the last. Then at last I laid eyes upon the high priestess. An elven lady with hair like spun gold, eyes like emerald, and lips as soft and welcoming as a warm spring afternoon. (laughs) 
I made up my mind then and there that I must have not one, not two of these ladies, for that was not a challenge worthy of me, but all seven of them. And since I had but one night to achieve this in, well, it is fortunate this particular temple was dedicated to Calistria. In any other establishment, even I could have managed only four, perhaps five of the ladies in a single night. But under the roof of Calistria, the unquenchable fire, I set about my task with fervor. One by one I wooed the priestesses, and one by one they opened their arms to me. (laughs) Starting with the lowest acolyte, and climaxing with the high priestess herself. (laughs) Ah, it was a glorious night. But alas, it could not last, for the first of my conquests, the sweet acolyte, found herself wanting more and came seeking me, only to learn from her sisters that I had been busy. The ladies compared notes and my duplicity became evident. Then all six of them burst into the high priestess's chamber at the top of the temple spire to confront me moments after I had finished satisfying her. Leaping from her bed and seeing the horizon outside lighting with the dawn, I called out a prayer of, O Calistria, great lady whose passions rock the universe, if my deeds this night have pleased you, grant me a way out. And lo, at that very moment... The temple's sacred guardian wasp, the size of a horse, flew to the window. I snatched up the high priestess's corset, used it as an impromptu saddle, left upon the wasp, and flew away into the sunrise, waving farewell to my erstwhile lovers with their own high priestess's undergarments. And so, good gentlemen, I warn you, heed my warning. If you do not, I will have far too easy a time here at the festival. <laughs> And the crowd, you know, claps enthusiastically. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily seem to believe a word of it. Yeah. But he is entertaining. And um, how does he do? Uh, he fails to intimidate people as someone to be respected. Yeah. Um, he fails to convince people that it is a that it is a um. A, a true story. Yeah, that's the bluff check, isn't yes. it? Yeah. He does her succeed in his diplomacy check and then his performance check. Ah, uh, nice. Uh, so, second one up. Oh, uh, okay. So, um, do we get the point scores as we go, or at uh, the end? No, because it's not a, um, it's not as if it is judged by judges or anything. Right. Or rather, the panel of judges assesses at the end of it which story was best which story was second right, best but we don't they're not actually others. giving a points total out right okay it's understood. a quantitative measure that is measured because it's the D&D rules by dice that's fine okay so roll for the second one yep yep so that's a one again yep we roll five two three four Mmm, that would be Grigory or Fort Grelev. Ah. And Grigory comes up, uh, and Michaela is the only one who will open hell of making this. Uh, sense motive, gets the sense motive check. Yes. Uh, am I rolling it? Uh, yeah, that would be good. Yes. I'm merely confused because as you said that, you roll the dice. Yes, for Grigory. Uh, I uh, 15 added to her. Okay, that's 30. Okay. So, she looks at him. He's a pretty cool customer. He's very socially adept at addressing large crowds, as you know. But there's just the slightest hints of, you know, sweat on his brow and pulling slightly at the collar. 
He looks nervous about standing up and delivering this boast. And it will occur to Michaela of what he said to Caelan earlier in the tournament, that, you know, things he would be doing here, he would be doing, you know, on behest of Fort Drelev. Ah, uh, yes. More or less intimated that some of his words were not necessarily of his choosing. Ah, uh, yes. Um, given he's about to stand up here and make a very public speech. Yes. This is probably what he was talking about. Yes. But from all outward appearances, he stands up supremely confident, also in nice clothes. Yes. Um, I imagine this is going to be a fairly fancy dressing affair. Sweeps his hat down to Gellick, who's now laughing and drinking in the front row. And he says, it may surprise you to, it may surprise you all to learn that, it may surprise you all, it may not, he says, and gestures to his own body. He's, he's by no means a hideous troll, but he's just a kind of overweight, slightly balling guy. Yeah. Um, so it may not surprise you to learn that I'm not a hit with the ladies, like some of my good colleagues here. But I do have a triumph or two, one through cunning and guile rather than good looks. And so I shall account for my most unusual conquest. In truth, I'm a little ashamed of this one, but I think the truth must be heard. <laughs> Dude, this Caelan's starting to sit up and point his Yeah, yeah, um... Kaelin's hand, Kaelin, who's been, you know, laughing and drinking and eating and drinking and just generally seems kind of boisterous, um, seems, his hand clenches ever so slightly on his mead cup and he, he, he looks up at Gregory with a less than pleasant expression. I speak of a lady as fair as the dawn, golden long glimmering hair like sunlight, desired by all who pass through her small trading post. Yeah. <laughs> all desired by all but her husband, a man of gruff presence and short stature, and he makes a little yeah. small dick gesture. Being a selfish man, I wanted to have her for myself, despite her married status. Alas, I feared Aristotle would not approve, and as I have oft presented myself as his champion, I set about to conceal my affections from the gods themselves. Yeah. This woman was desperate for a child, and her husband being unable to service her needs. Mm-hmm. I took it upon myself. Tell me, have you heard of the magical raspberries of the Forest of a Thousand Screams? <laughs> and people in the crowd, because Kalen's wise yeah. to where this is going, he will see people in the crowd start muttering, and people start looking at Kalen, there's the odd bit of pointing and a little whisper, whisper, whisper behind that. Yeah, hands. and Kalen looks Gregory up and down, and then... Resumes drinking his meal, mead, insofar as he can achieve it, unworried. Such is the power of these magical raspberries, that anyone who eats them will conceive rapidly, no matter their love is species or limited prowess. Alas, these berries were guarded by a tree, but not just any mere tree, an ancient fey guardian that stretched to the sky, its arms like blades and scythes, decapitating the forest around its presence. I came upon the fallen trees, and the creature advanced upon me, its ancient roots shaking the earth itself. Knowing I would have but one shot, I drew out my orcish double axe and hurled it, a throw worthy of legend, and put it between the tree beast's eyes, slaying it in a single blow. But the greatest accomplishment was not the battle, but what followed after. Promising the golden beauty her and her husband would conceive soon, I left her the berries but neglected to mention to her that the magic was based upon an act of love, as I desired the lady. 
as close as one such as I could ever come to love. It was not her husband's seed, but mine worked through the magic. And thus the child she bore, unnoticed by Deadeye's supposedly sharp eye, was of my blood and race, not hers. Truly, the greatest seduction is one so cunning. Until I have spoken it, the truth of it has never been known. A seduction worthy of a king indeed, albeit one of limited morals. <laughs> and so, ladies and gentlemen, I end this tale. Let you know that no matter how repellent you may appear to a woman at first glance, do not despair, for trickery will always get you to a position of power over the lady. <laughs> and the crowd seems to, the large chunk of the crowd seems to follow the inherent satire in this and look to Kaylin, and they seem to find Gregory's performance most amusing. Yeah. He is, among other things, a very gifted orator. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to get an information why Drelev and his crew might have teleported out right before Gregory made the speech. Really? Yeah. Really? And and why Gregory was, you know... Less than happy Less than about thrilled it. about yeah. presenting this with Kalen sitting, like, you know, 200 feet away from him with all his weapons strapped about his personage. Yeah, and um, Drelev, meanwhile, was 400 miles... Drelev and his court was at 400 miles and, away. And Gregory, without an apparent care in the world, bows repeatedly to the crowd, embraces all the applause he is getting, and then steps down um, and joins the crowd seemingly unworried. Although Michaela will notice he keeps glancing backwards just to check where Kaylin is at all yeah. times. He can hardly run off or disappear back to his tent or anything. Yeah. These boasts are not excessively long. Each one's five minutes or so. Yeah. Um, so he's obliged to sit around for the victory, which, honestly, he may actually gain there. Um, Gregory is not the sort of man that scares people, particularly as his satirical boast is inherently self-deprecating. Yeah. He talks about himself like he's no one that could possibly pick up a woman. Yeah. Because, obviously, he's... Yeah, he's, uh, he's being careful. Yeah. Um, however, his story has a ring of eerie plausibility to it. Yeah. Like it's based on a true story <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um, to such an extent that the people around are sort of muttering and wondering if that's actually the true story instead of the story they've already heard. Well, as in Gregory, Gregory's, Gregory's version is substantively... Uh, well, no, it's, it's obvious that Gregory is satirizing somebody else. Yeah. Uh, nobody thinks Gregory is making this boast and that he actually did it. Yeah. But people are taking it as this is the events that occurred from Kalen's point of view. Gregory yeah. has ferreted out the true story. Yeah. And Kalen's master plan was to seduce her and have her child without actually sleeping with her, merely to prove to himself that he could because he's such a dickhole, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and Gregory is, of course, a very gifted orator. Yes. Yes, I'm aware. <laughs> okay, and then does Sir Tristan Thorne of Stagthorne want to step up for number three? Well, um, he, that's not a great position to be following, but number three having been a slot, he is more or less obliged to. Well, you can have another NPC go if you desire. No, that's okay. Yeah, I believe Tristan would like to step into that particular breach. And I see Tristan as... Um, you know, impeccably attired, of course, moving up to the stage, but casting a rather cold glance at Gregory yeah. as he passes by. Who pretends not to notice. Yeah. And, um, stand up on the stage, resplendent as ever in his, in his, um, finery. 
my lords, my ladies, as fair citizens of our neighbouring countries, I am Lord Tristram Thorne, gentleman, scholar, mage, and magister of Stagthorne. And the tale I um, have to relate to you is no tale of triumph over a lady, but rather a tale of triumph over the mightiest of beasts Ooh. ever to assail our fair city. The owlbear, the size of a castle. I returned early from an expedition in fighting trolls to, in the south as I scented trouble on the winds, and to my shock found the good people of Elksrest engaged in battle against the largest owlbear ever seen in the River Kingdoms, and a beast enhanced by fey magic to be almost unbelievably mighty and strong. I at once began distracting it with my archery so that the people could flee, and shooting it in the posterior, it so enraged the beast that with its two paws it picked up Stagthorn Castle and hurled it at me. I, I hastily dodged, but my horse was badly wounded, and I was forced to heal it and send it away. This left me la lacking a mount out, but I was not long stalled, for I called upon the aid of Glory, a mighty unicorn, an ally of mine from the First World, and together we rode once more into battle. I foresaw King Caelan might be slightly put out to return home um, to Altstress to find his castle had vanished, so together Glory and I vexed the owlbear with arrows, horn, and taunts about its ancestry. Once more, the big east, east, terribly enraged, picked up the castle and threw it at me. I had positioned myself exactly where the castle uh, once stood, and as I nimbly dodged aside, it was restored to its original position. And if you doubt my tale, Vare citizens, I invite you to journey to Elksrest, where you will see for yourself that the castle sits exactly where it was originally built. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that I needed to lead the beast away so that not, none of the good people of Elksrest would be injured. And together and I, Glory and I rode without rest for seven days and seven nights, journeying out of the kingdom um, and to, towards Van Hold in the east. 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 At last we came to Talon Peak, the mighty mountain that stands on the edge of Van Hold. Glory was, alas, exhausted by our journey. So, with my mighty magic, I conjured a phantom seed, as those fortunate enough to have seen the caster's ball will have seen for themselves, I can do. And I, rode, and I rode this mighty horse straight up the side of a mountain, for that is the power of the spell. All this time, the owlbear had pursued me hotly, and at last we did battle atop oh, the mountain. My blade bit into it deeply, but the mighty beast was just too powerful to fall. Suddenly, a great rock descended from the heavens intent on attack. Nimbly, I flung myself atop its back and whispered an ancient word of command. The rock carried me high into the air before descending into a steep dive. As it neared the mountaintop, I flung myself from its back and dove upon the owlbear, sword outstretched, etched. My sword dove deeply into its brain, dealing it a fatal blow. I threw down my enemy and smote his ruin on the mountainside. And if anyone doubts my tale, I invite you to journey to Stagthorn Castle, where you will see the head of the owlbear triumphantly placed to remember my deed. I invite you all to consider that what sword alone cannot do, sword, magic, and the knowledge of a scholar 
can achieve truly mighty feats. Bravo! Bravo! Goes the crowd. Bravo! Okay, and now it's just to make a bunch of dice rolls. Yes. Yes. Uh, so Tristan needs to give me. Um, yeah, the these are not specific in order of the way he performs. But yeah. In order of the um, way the rules are ruling out, uh, you need to give me an intimidate check to start with. Uh, that's a 15. That will fail. Yep. Yes, the um, Tristram does not overawe the crowd. Then it is a bluff check. Ooh. A bit inferior. That is a 10. That will also fail. Alright. Reroll any of these at the end if you so desire. At the, uh, I can reroll them at the end? Yeah, well, the thing is, you're only passing or failing. There's no um, percentage in um, uh, getting massively over or massively under. Alright, and I will make my diplomacy, diplomacy check. Yep. And that is a 20. That will fail as well. Oh. Vicious. Okay. Um. Which one? I will change dice. Yep. That one is close. The other two are not. Okay. The bluff check in particular is, um. The, the, yeah, the bluff check is, is, is well under. Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, I will, um, could I use a D, uh, I'm trying to work out whether you... I want to re-roll the diplomacy. I'm trying to work out whether to use a d6 or a... Um, yeah, could you give me Tristram's fate points, please? I could. How many is he in to it? Currently three. There are no charisma-based ones in there. Okay. Forge, the big sky, and the avalanche. Yes. Uh, and then, at the end of that, um, you are making a perform check to see how well your performance goes. Which yes. you may also do if you so please. Yes, but um, my understanding is if I don't make at least one of the other checks, I'm um, not multiplying by anything. Correct. Yeah. So um, I will use the avalanche yep. for a um, re-roll of the diplomacy check. Okay, so you want to re-roll it instead of adding to it? Uh Actually, I think I probably... That's the one you're close on. The other two you were not so close on. I want to try adding to the diplomacy check. This is basically um, an extremely large crowd that you are boasting to. Yeah. So that is a additional two. Uh, That will not do it. Okay. At which point, um, Kaelin will donate a um, fake point for another... Yep. At which point it doesn't matter what Kaelin's yep. card is. And now the D6. And that is a 4. That will hit the DC. Okay. Score a point for your diplomacy. Yep. Currently have nothing for your intimidate or your bluff. I am going to leave those two there. Okay. But I wanted to get something on the table. Yep. And then I am going to make a perform oratory check. Yep. At which point I get a 29. Okay. So that would give you a net total of 29 points, basically. Right. Yep. And um, succeeding on another one it, it, uh, of the Intimidator Bluff is then double 29. Yep. Um, 
No, I think two fate points um, is enough to spend on yep. this particular challenge. Yep, I merely, I merely wanted to. Um, yes, Tristan is a moderately socially skilled character in everything, but this is actually quite hard to do. Yeah, this seems like a pretty high, which isn't unreasonable given it's the Olympic but tail filling challenge. I mean, the thing is, though, your your alternative is had you put Michaela up, yep. she's probably actually better at diplomacy, intimidating bluff than Tristan is. Yeah. But that would have netted her three points times her performance roll, which, which if like, it had been a nice natural 20, would have been 60 points. Yeah. But, but if it had been a four, four it would, would have been, been 12. 12. Yeah. No, I'm content with that outcome. I okay. feel 29 um, reflects at least an adequate score. Okay. Tragically, Gregory may be going to win, but we'll just have to deal with that situation as it seems appropriate to us. And... Then the next one is up. Yes. Uh, can you give me a D4? D4. We've had two. Yep. So a D4. One. Uh, that would be Ancus Depagood of Grolton. Ah, uh, pirate. Uh, and at this point, uh, Michaela and Tristan both get sense motive checks. Okay. Uh, Tristan can add five to his. Okay. So Michaela rolls at a plus 15. Yep. And gets a um, 35. We'll easily notice this. And Tristram gets a uh, 16. Okay. So that's adding his plus 5? That's adding his plus yeah. 5. He appears to have no sense motive of any kind. So Tristram is a, a bit stressed after this. It actually yeah. turns out it's quite hardcore because he is at this point boasting to what must be in the neighborhood of a thousand people yeah. effortlessly. Yeah. Um, many of whom are drunk and uproariously interrupt over the top of the story. Yeah! Yeah. Um, so, Ankis Depagood, um, you will notice this as he begins to speak around the midpoint of his speech. Michaela will see um, that the crowd seems to be unusually into his performance, uh, perhaps more so than his respective boast and skill level might suggest. And as she looks around for some explanation of this, um, she will see another dwarf in the crowd, um, who is softly playing a flute very quietly in the background and periodically waving his arms, and there are small sparkles coming off him. Uh, he looks like he is using some sort of bardic magic to enhance the performance, to inspire the crowd to more of a reaction than they would otherwise have, which is, of course, blatantly cheating. Yeah. Because... It's supposed to be about Angus's skill, Angus's skill itself. Okay, so um, can I decree how I think Michaela would respond to this situation? By all means. So um, given that Michaela is a subtle individual who's not big on big public scenes, yep. um, I can see her mysteriously becoming very drunk, taking a, taking a mug of mead off a nearby table, and accidentally falling over on top of him. Ah, so you're going to go and ruin his, um, yeah. ruin his butt, what his buddy's doing? Yeah, I'm not going to interfere with Angus. He's up there on stage giving his speech. It's merely that, um, you know, his buddy might find it difficult to make concentration. Yeah, or call for a DC, uh, a, um, you know, cheat, cheating afterwards or conclave or something in that neighbourhood. Yeah. But um, Michaela, I think, will try and solve it via the subtle yeah, route. Yeah. And actually, that's not silly, because you could you you probably have to interrupt loudly, because if you merely go over after the fact and say, I saw a guy doing this, it's like, well, 
It, it just yeah, doesn't seem really. like what Michaela, you know, Tristram isn't really, not really paying attention and also isn't big on the loud interjections. And it's just not Michaela, what Michaela would okay. do making a scene. So, or at least not making a scene via a, um, she, she may delegate some, she may choose to delegate somebody else to be the drunk asshole, but. No, I don't know, that, that seems very in keeping. Because this is just a guy in the crowd who doesn't yeah. necessarily know who she is. She sort of stumbles over and, Slaps an arm around his shoulder. Hey, Niffy! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let me get you a drink, Slash. Yeah. Tip it over and, him. <laughs> and he completely loses his focus on this because Michaela doesn't go away. She yeah. drapes around him and, yeah. you know, giggles and then strangles him a bit inadvertently yeah. and then pushes him round. And he has absolutely no capacity to maintain his performance while doing this. Yeah. So Ankus gets off to a good start and then is down to actually relying on his own skill when it comes to making checks. <laughs> As opposed to his own skill and a nice bonus. Yeah. For the crowd getting fired up. So this is his most. Yes. Yes, they uh, Ankus Depagood of Grolton. Uh, a dwarf comes stepping up out of the crowd and... He looks about as piratey as a pirate could possibly pirate. <laughs> Excellent. Um, he has a hat with a skull and crossbones on it, a pig leg, a hook, an eye patch, and a parrot on his shoulder. Good stuff. He couldn't possibly be more of a pirate <laughs> if he'd sailed in here. The only thing he hasn't done is sailed in here on a ship. Which is tough to do, given as we're landlocked, as yes. he points out. <laughs> he steps up. Would you like his accent in dwarf or pirate? I think pirate. Pirate. He's a piratey pirate. Pirate. He waves his hook at the crowd and he says, Ahoy there, you landlubbers. Aye, I called ye lubbers, for what else can ye be in this landlocked nation? Ye poor sods don't have any idea what ye be missing with no ocean about. Why down by the shackles be a real place to live, ships going in and out full of treasure and wealth of all kinds. But none could ever match the ship I sailed on. For I stowed away and later served aboard the Sea Wraith. Now, ye may not all have heard of the Sea Wraith, but she's a ship of legend, captained by none other than Besmara, the queen goddess of the pirates herself. It sails not just the shackles, but the seas of the very plains, making port in whole other worlds. Ever heard of Sigil, the city of the Seven Seraphs? Well, I've made port in both. Well, when Besmara found me stowed away in her ship, she was all set to have me walk the plank. But I had on me necklace of fireballs, and I threatened to blow a hole in her hull so large her ship would sink straight into the abyss and never be heard from again. Well, me boldness made the lady laugh, and so she decided to make me a deckhand instead. Many were our adventures, and years they took, but I think the fondest memory be a game of poker I played with Delendria, a diva from Nirvana. And Palinax, a bearded devil from the Nine Hells. We were holding both of them for ransom, you see, and it fell to me to keep them from killing each other. So I proposed we play a game of poker. Such would let them compete with each other without causing too much of a ruckus. It was a tight hand. Them divas not any good at bluffing, but by the gods can they see their way past such a liar as that bearded devil were. Fortunately for me, they were so focused on competing with each other, they paid too scant attention to little old me. They wagered high, paid me no mind, and in the end I won the diva's wings and the devil's beard on a single hand of cards. <laughs> I've got a million more stories where that one came from, but that'll hold you for now, I'm thinking. There's plenty more tales to come from the honored opponents. 
Even if none can hold a candle to sailing the high seas on a Captain Vesmara. There's <laughs> <laughs> the crowd. Um, his story seems very piratey. Yes. And he succeeds in his bluff, DC. Yes. Um, his performance, however, is, you know, merely adequate yeah. for the level that he's performing on. Yeah. And that is, and he seems to lose his focus a little about midway through the performance when the crowd is into what he's saying, but not as much as he's expecting, because he's obviously expecting his cheek to come through. Yes. And they sort of are caught at the halfway and just sort of go, eh, and a few of them wander off and they think, and then the, the bearded devil, he looks around for his buddy, yeah. gets a little distracted. Yeah. And that is Team Pirate. Yes. I'm sad it was him that was cheating because it was an awesome sale. Well, on the other hand, it's very piratical to cheat in this kind of thing. That would be, um... So you've had a cheat from Dagamark, you've had a cheat from Grolton. Have you had two cheats from Grolton? Uh... Don't think... Think that, no, that the, was only the, no, the other cheat. Uh, the other supposed cheat was the Wriggling Man. Yeah, yeah, and the Wriggling Man was too good at cheating. Okay. Next one? Yes. D3. D3. And we can give it a rest to save your voice at any time. No, that's fine. Um, and it is a one. Okay, so that would be The Wriggling Man. Oh, great. This, this would be tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, he sort of slides up to the front of the pavilion. And immediately the crowd is not overly taken with a guy whose face they can't see. Yeah. The true knight of thorns you know, stands up and thrusts his mug in the air and says, Yes, tell us a mighty tale. Yeah. And, you know, the crowd sort of, Yeah, go, random dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kale drinks slightly more heavily because he doesn't want to think too much. Huh? He senses he'll need the anesthesia. And the wriggling man stands up and stares out at the crowd for a long, long, long moment till people are starting to fidget under his gaze a bit. This is a farce. I have been an arcanist for a thousand years longer than any pup or stripling here. I could slay you or any of the creatures you make claims upon in an instant. Your weakness is contemptible to me. You lack my allies, my intelligence, and most of all my willingness to do whatever it takes to survive. You are nothing to me. Hear my words, they are no mere boast. And he walks off the stage. Um, he intimidates the shit out of the crowd really successfully people sit for a long moment before clapping yeah Um, he has technically violated the rules that it's supposed to be around five minutes worth of boast but that's a guideline to stop people going too long on the basis that most people won't aim too short yeah Uh, he fails his bluff check by literally not making it he doesn't boast there's no story to believe yeah um, the um, 
He fails to graciously thank the audience for their time. Yeah. His diplomacy check. He does, however, hold a pretty commanding performance for a guy who's not really doing anything. Yeah. The crowd is wrapped up in what he's saying. And it fits with the guidelines of what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, his boast is he says he could kill any creature that anyone else here can dream yeah. up in their imaginary boasts or anyone in the crowd, which... It's, it's a it's a valid boast. Yeah. Okay. He performs. Yes. And the true knight of thorns applauds this enthusiastically, looks around the crowd, elbows a couple of people next to them to get them to do it, but, you know. Yeah. Caelan will actually do that slow clap thing. Caelan's not impressed. Alright, two more to go. Yes. Move on to Hi. Great job on this voice, however. I'll just need to remember how I did it when he comes around again. Yeah. Uh, just give me a moment. This is um, re- representing the kingdom of Pytax, Elora Nuski. Mm. Uh, and she comes out. Um, there is a fairly lithe-looking woman here with a pair of short swords strapped to her, and she is dressed like an adventurer as opposed to in fancy clothing. Ooh. But it's very obviously um, been enhanced to display her best attributes as a woman to the detriment of its adventuring prowess. What she's got on is the sort of Xena warrior princess type miniskirt, uh, yep. where it's a bunch of strips of leather hanging down to about her her top th- upper thigh. Yeah. Um, thigh? Yes, upper thigh. Always get thighs and calves confused. Yep. Um, then she has on the classic deep cut boob plate, yeah. pushing her breasts up in the tight leather, um, and then going very deep into the cleavage. Um, Carolyn, particularly, already starting to be slightly junk, not disposed to disprove of this plan. She has on a couple of she has on a couple of daggers stuffed down her cleavage with big hooked um, hilts coming out of them that appear to be, from any warrior point of view, grossly impractical. They're designed to get you to stare down her top as yeah. opposed to um, anything else. Caitlin obliges. <laughs> and she then also looks completely immaculate, like has has on a lot of subtle makeup, has her hair as meticulously combed. Yeah. She looks like she's, at this stage, never been outside for a day in her life. Yeah. So it's a, it's definitely adventurer, but it's Hollywood adventure. Yeah, gotcha. And she stands up and sort of theatrically fans herself a bit down in the Chester region. Mm-hmm. And then, you know... <sighs> Needs a moment as she seems to flush, stretches her legs out of it, shows off a bit of flight in the crowd. She says, Forgive me. The day is hot, but not, I think, as hot as I am. <laughs> For I am Elora, the famous bandit queen, <laughs> and my charms are indeed legendary. There are many tales that I could tell, but one that comes to mind happened now, oh... Around nine months ago, I was visiting far off Kaonan to see my cousin Lariel, where she lives in the southern reaches of that realm. She greeted me as I arrived, along with her friend, an elven woman named Penna. As Lariel introduced Penna to me, I thought something seemed a little odd in her manner, and I resolved to ask her about it later. She stretches and yawns dramatically. 
Alas, later never came, for that very evening, Penna came to my room and invited me for a walk in the forest. Sensing that something was afoot with my cunning, I said, Oh, I'm, I'm too tired to travel for a walk just now, but we could talk up here, if you liked. And I lay upon the bed, and she lies on stage and <laughs> flaunts, like so, until she agreed, and I poured us drinks. Well, I shall spare you the details, but one thing led to another. And just as things were beginning to move to a crescendo, I noticed that she appeared to have grown wings and a tail. Now... Even for my bedfellows, this was somewhat unexpected. (laughs) And so I refused to proceed with what I was doing unless she accounted for herself. And so very desperately did she want me to finish that she confessed. Her real name was Penavix, and she was a succubus sent by Asmodeus, the lord of suffering. Her mission was to abduct me and bring me to him, for I had caught his eye and he intended to make me his consort. And who could blame him? So she dominated my cousin, had her invite me, and then intended to lure me into an ambush so I could be taken prisoner. But upon seeing me, she could not contain herself and wanted me for her own instead. She sighs readily, and such thirsty work goes over, gets a barrel of water, and tips it up over her her face, and gets the stream back hair, the wet shirt, etc., etc., Kellen approves of this product to a service. That Penavax. Such a naughty girl, I told her. I wanted my dear cousin free from her magical charms. So I proposed a deal to Penavax. She would release my cousin in exchange for a week of passion. And after making her beg for it, I agreed to this. And to this day, Penavax sends me regular gifts of strange potions and wines in the hope of luring me back to her side in the Tanglebriar. Alas, she gave me another little gift before I left, a rather nasty rash. did take a little while to develop and proved annoyingly contagious and rather difficult to remove. Small, but it hung around forever, noxiously. I did finally clear it up, but I hope none of the other lovers I took in the meantime find it too unpleasant. Worry not, I doubt there are more than one lover of mine in the audience. At the moment. Uh, and Michaela gets another sense motive check here. Yeah? She will be the one that makes these rather than trust in only one person. Needs to hit it. Uh, that is, because plus 15, isn't yep. it? Um, 22. Okay. That was kind of a weird ending. It was a kind of a weird ending, and she sees, um, uh, among other things, uh, the other thing that she has down her cleavage is the holy symbol of Calistria, the little wasp down between her breasts. Ah, uh, right. And she's staring down at Gallic at the last one of this. Yeah. Um, and talking about things that are small and annoying and difficult to remove and that sort of thing. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, M- Michaela picks up that 
they've probably been knocking boots at some point in the past, it's ended poorly. And now she's trying to and suggest that as a follower of Calestria, she's, you know, obliged to poke him. him. Yeah, she's trying to imply that he might have a disease and no one should bang him. Well, it's also possible that, you know, his story is based on her. You know, he claims to have seduced seven priestesses of Calestria. Calestria, right. She's yes. clearly only one priestess of Calestria. But, you know, Christopher didn't kill the Albear single-handedly atop a mountain while riding a rock, either. But he and did kill it. The crowd is very very thoroughly charmed with this. Yeah. Um, Despite the weird ending. Yeah, the thing is, it's... it's By that point, the men in the audience weren't listening to you the You see words. a bunch of guys who are elbowing each other, you know, I'd take a bit of that rash. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, oh, wouldn't that be nice? Oh, oh, oh. And several of the women, it must be said. Yeah, well. yeah. Um, and Michaela gets a separate sense motive check here. Uh, lots and lots. Uh, 33. And Elora looks very sensual, very confident, uh, is obviously using her, using her body and her charms as part of her performance, which is not even remotely against the rules. Uh, Indeed, it's probably been done several times before. Um, Michaela will pick up the undercurrent to it though. Uh, this is not something that comes across in her performance, it comes across afterwards as she, you know, most people relax and, you know, take in the crowd's applause and cheer and, and bow and scrape and all that sort of thing. She does several needlessly deep curtsies showing off thigh and breast and backside as she shuffles her hips off the stage. But when she's actually down and out of the public eye, she looks kind of nervous again and chews her nails and that and looks around to where the judges are and looks at the, the reaction from the crowd and intently follows what everyone else is doing. Um, and Michaela will pick up, she is really desperate to win this contest. Um, far more so than merely for the prestige or the glory. Like, um, there's a lot of pressure. The Flytaxian nominees who are 100% human all seem really twitchy about their chances. Yeah, like, there's a lot, a lot of pressure on her to win this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um... And it, it must be a reasonable amount to affect somebody who's so obviously self-confident in yeah. who she is. And that is Elora of Pytax. Alright, I would like Michaela to act on that, but we'll wait for the end of the boasting. Yep. And then the last one up is representing Move On in the Church of Caden Kalen, Celia Ravenbrow. Oh, that's a good start. <laughs> and a woman comes up. Um, she is not stunningly attractive and has not done herself up to look fancy in clothes. Um, she steps up in what is a fairly utilitarian-style peasant dress, um, has a long sword strapped to her side, um, and comes up, has the... has, has the insignia of Kaelin Kaelin around her neck, and then over the top of her peasant dress, she's effectively got a sort of draped over apron that again looks vaguely peasanty, um, but instead says instead says on it, "Yes, you can buy me a drink." <laughs> and she comes up on the stage, waves her arms to the crowd like a rock star, holds her fingers up her knees, and says, "Good day." Ooh, shit. points at the crowd as if she's got nothing. Runs off stage, grabs a mug of ale. Runs, runs up to the table where you guys are drinking, the Knights of the Joust, grabs a mug of ale, 
looks speculative at you, grabs a mug of ale from everyone, runs yeah. back up with four mugs, and quickly tosses a couple of them down, and then just throws them down on the stage. Yeah. <clears throat> Better. Right. My name is Celia Ravenbrow. You having a good time, everyone? Yeah! yeah. I can see a lot of mugs in the audience. As you see, I, I like my drink. I look forward to drinking all of you under the table later on. <laughs> I can tell you what. I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. She, she gestures to you knights at the table, you justice at the table. I'm, I'm really sorry. I would be so mad if someone came up and stole my drink like that, but I was really thirsty. We're all friends here, right? Right? Yeah, and Gillen will actually raise a mug and um, cheer appreciatively. That's, that's kind of you. I mean, I can tell you, you may be fine justice, but you wouldn't want to interrupt me when I'm drinking. That's for sure. Well, this one time, up in the north of the River Kingdom's little village, I just sit down with a fine, fine glass of Elven absinthe. The last one the innkeeper had available. And then what happens? Haven't we all been there when the town comes under assault by a demonic chimera? (laughs) (laughs) Oh god, I want her to win now. (laughs) Three heads it had, right? A goat on the left, a lion's head on the right, a green dragon in the middle, and a goat on the left. (laughs) Some stupid adventurers had rousted it from its lair, and it had slaughtered them, and it was rampaging through the village. Well, I'm concerned, I got my sword out and stepped into its path, and we fought back and forth along the road, surrounded by screaming, fleeing townsfolk. (laughs) The dragon head I lopped off with one stroke, and reared back, roared with its other two heads, and crashed into a building as it tried to take off. Looking up, I saw the huge rock that had been built into the chimney come loose, so I hurled my sword and my drink... Up in one hand, she doesn't actually do this with any pop, yeah. she just makes the gestures. I did three backflips, and I kicked the goat's head into the path of that falling chimney, which crushed it, and I caught my sword and drink again. That left only the lion's head, which proved the easiest of all. Sheathed the sword, ripped off that chimera's tail with my bare hands, leapt on its back, and strangled the lion with its own tail, while I rode it bucking and bareback through the streets of the town. The grateful townsfolk cheered my name, and the innkeeper offered me anything I could drink on the house. No need, I told him. For all that, I hadn't spilled so much as a single drop of the absinthe. It would have been a waste over a, a little trifle like a demonic chimera. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to seeing you all later for a drink. And I hope no more such creatures interrupt us. I... I would hate to have to risk even spilling a single drop. Not that anything I've seen here would make me sweat. She picks the mug up, gone. <laughs> Throws it down again and uh, walks off the stage to cheers and applause. Yep. Yeah. yeah, okay, she's, obviously Kaelin wants Tristram to win, but he'd also be okay if she won it. Um, she seems, people are not afraid of her, but people definitely can respect her. <laughs> her yeah. Her body prowess, essentially. Yeah. Um, she also really invites the audience into it, and yeah, yeah. etc., etc. Her story is actually, if anything, a little underplayed compared to giant castle-throwing yeah. owlbears. Yeah. Her claim is mostly that she didn't spill the drink, because it was merely a demonic chimera. Yeah. Uh, but she puts on a solid performance. Yes. 
And that is everyone. Yes. Okay. And then the crowd, then the judges begin to confer, and the crowd begins to drink a bit, and we discover who has succeeded at what. Yes. Uh, I can give you, um, they will only announce the first, second, and third, but I can give you the points if you desire them. I, I, I would like to know. Hmm? Or if you don't want to give me the points total, I'm fine with just the comparative rankings. Yeah. Oh, and um, Alora is not actually a stunning performer in her own right. Um, uh, sorry, um, no, missed my points entirely. I did, did I give you Alora's successes and things? No, uh, no, no, you didn't. Uh, yeah. She is not a stunning performer in her own right, but she does hit all three of her bluff diplomacy and intimidate. Right, yeah. She comes across as someone to be someone to be respected and pay attention to. You know, the men in the crowd are, are eating her up. And her story sounds, um, if not plausible, really hot. Yeah, right. yeah, succubus, and you know the back. Yeah, of the yeah it's not so much that they believe it as they didn't want to admit it, as they're prepared to believe. They want to believe it. Okay, want them in reverse order? So yes. Last to first. Yes. Okay, so in last place on thirteen points is Angus Deppergood of Grotten. Ah. <laughs> Uh, without people boosting all his roles, he's <laughs> just unable to keep up here. Yep. Uh, second to last is Gallic Applewin of Dagamark. Huh? Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. <laughs> uh, turns out he's just full of shit. Yeah. Uh, then... It was a well-told tale, but... um. Huh? That would then be, I believe, um, fifth place. Is Tristan Thorne of Star uh, Thorne, nine points. Yeah. Um, as he is not get, as as he only hit one of his things. Yeah. Like getting twenty nine by one. Yeah. Um, yes. If he if, he, if he hit another one, then he doubles it to fifty eight or so. Yeah. At which point he would be pretty pretty far up there. But they were uh, quite high DCs, which would still not give him the win. Yeah. I, I think um, I think I made the right call in getting him all, getting him. I would be saddened if he was last, but no, I'm good with that. Uh, next one up is. Um, in equal position for third, on 38 points apiece, is um, uh, Celia Ravenbrow of Mivon, the drunk, yep. uh, and the Riddling Man. Ah, huh? It's it's a very commanding performance. He doesn't yep. put much into it. What he does put in, he sells. Yep. Um, however... He had more successes. He will lose that on the tiebreaker. Um, primarily because she has actually made a boast. Yeah. So, sorry, she will win that on the tiebreaker. Yeah. Uh, actually, just let me double check. Uh, sorry, in the event of the tie, the tie boasters face off again. Yeah. Um, until there is a. So they will effectively have a tie-breaking boast. Yeah. Um, we're, I'm not going to do more boasts than no. this. But the two of them stand up again. Um, Celia comes out with a drunken story about 
finding a town that was so deprived of beer that she needed to raid the nearby Baron's castle and goes into this very Ocean's Eleven-esque comedic heist story where they bumbled around spectacularly but somehow managed to make it out because it turned out their true master plan was that, well, they'd be doing this, you know... It, they they were there to steal all the baron all the baron's beer from his grand high party, but well when the baron caught them all the barrels were empty, but his wine cellar had mysteriously gone missing, and she had managed to previously conceal it and sneak it out in the guise of in the guise of them all dressed as scullery maids and things, uh, and the wriggly man stands up again and doesn't boast he merely gives a very similar thing to what he's previously done, of. Um, you know, this, these are trifles and fripperies, and I could easily destroy everyone here. Yeah. So they go into a roll off for this. Come on, move on. Yeah, odds are pretty high in her favour. Yeah, and once again, the wriggling man intimidates the shit out of the crowd, but fails to actually really boast or engage them or anything yeah. of the sort. Um, Celia doesn't seem to even blink at having to come up with a second preposterous story. She yeah. just slugs down a few more beers and leads off on the splurging thing. Some of the details don't necessarily match into each other, but of the two is clearly a better performance. Yeah. So that puts Bib on in third. Yep. Uh, then I'm not super happy about this. In second place on 51 points is Elora of Pytax. Oh, I'm so unhappy about that. And in first place, on a truly ridiculous 76 points, Man. Gregory of Fort Drelev. He's just that good at talking. Uh, 38 on his perform sheet. Wow. Doubled for his two successes. Wow. So he, he had you beaten on one success. Yeah. And then picked up two of them. His tale is extremely compelling, to the point where even Kalen, like at various points, just gets lost in the tale. Is kind of nodding along with us, and he's like, "Wait, no, God damn it, that's yeah. not how it happened." Yeah. And there are your victories. Yeah, on the bright on the bright side for the results that Grey Live winning will make three Grey points for Fort Grey Live. Not going. That's not going to take them startlingly high. Two points for Pytax. Yep. That, and on the other hand, batters. One point for Mivon. Which I'm all in favour of. Uh, thus setting the things now. Yes. At uh, Stagthorn in the lead on eight points. Yep. Pytax behind them on seven. Yep. Uh, the First World on five. Yep. Fort Dreadlev equal with the First World on five. five. Uh, Mivon on three, Grolthen on two, Dagamark yet to score. Uh, yep. <laughs> Poor old Dagamark. <laughs> This is not a particularly unusual performance for them. Yeah. One of the things about being a merchant state with no true leaders is that there's no one to really inspire their people. Yeah. They don't have a mighty king champion like Caelan who can um, boast off, who who they can boast about and that sort of thing. Yeah. And the other one is that the um, Fort Dreglev, Pytax, and the First World are still in the running, all having decent scores and can win the joust. but. Everyone else has is, is done their shifts. Yep. Mm-hmm. Move on, Dagamark and Grolton are not going to get it at this point. Uh, well, particularly as Move um, on have been eliminated from the jails. Yeah, that's right. Well, as have Dagamark. Yeah, Move on, Dagamark and Grolton have all been eliminated yeah, from so, the jails. So the four, the four nations that are still in the jails can all still win it. Yeah. 
Although um, my money would not be on Fort Draylev because I think Kundal, Kundal is a bit of a, a, a reed to field against the other three. <laughs> but it really it really could be anyone's game in terms of Pytax, Pytax um, the first world and um, Stagthorn. And, you know, Draylev's, and, and um, Gre- Gregory's just ensured Draylev at least in with a shot. He now has enough points that he could take it if he wins. Yep. Albeit, um, as Drelev is not here to see this victory. Yes. Yes. Okay. And thus ends the boasting. Yes. Uh, is there anything particularly you wanted to follow on with? Yes, I wanted, um, I wanted to do two things. Yep. Um, Michaela wants to go have a quiet word with, um... Elora? Elora. And, um, have a gentle, polite conversation where she makes a few, where she makes a bit of a sense motive check and try and get a handle on what she's being threatened with and what's going on with her and just and get a sense of the pitiful stakes of the situation. You will pick up. She she is waiting eagerly, listening for the judges. They go up and, you know... And in second place, Pytax, and she just... Uh, like, that's... That that's not good enough for her. Uh, yeah. So, Michaela wants... She is not, like, I'm going to go hang myself devastated. Yeah. But it's not the reason she was looking for first. And yeah. she didn't get it. Yeah. So, um, yes. So, um, Michaela wants to do a little bit of intriguing and try and get a sense of what's going on with her and why the people of Pytax seem to be so damn tense when they're competing in this thing. So, um, I would like to roll a gather information or sense motive style check here. Uh, it's not actually all of them. Um, no. The the cleric of Sarenrai that went up to the caster's ball yeah. wasn't terribly impressive and didn't seem all that worried about it. No, that's quite true. Um, the young wizard that was 14 at the um, ball yeah. challenge was shaking like a leaf. Yeah, but he was a 14-year-old competing in the uh, Olympics. Gaitain the archer was very cool and reserved and never blinked. Yeah. And Vilmokov doesn't seem upset either. Yeah, yeah. But those are the two that have been in the presentation. Yeah. Um, so it is very, it is just Lars and Elora. But I'm still. But that's two of three. And that's two, two of them, so I, I am interested in trying to find out what's going on. Uh, Michaela gets a, um, a gather information check here, in fact. Alright. So that's a 29. Okay. Uh, or possibly a 24? Is this something I need to do in a stealthy manner? Uh, not necessarily. Um, yeah. What, what, what occurs is Michaela goes looking for her after the fact. Yeah. You know, you go to approach her across the crowd and can't find her immediately and start asking, you know, mm. I wanted to congratulate that Alora woman, where did yeah. she go, etc., etc. Um which is not necessarily something you'd feel the need to keep secret. No, think... Finding out where she went, because yeah. she is not here anymore. So, 29. Um, you can very rapidly find out that she has, you know, people in the crowd say, oh yeah, I saw her heading that way, I think she went that way, I think she changed. She has fled the tournament ah. upon coming second. Like, literally has run straight out of the boast without going and talking to Erebeti or anything of the kind. She has just bailed as fast as she can away from the tournament. Huh. Um, the gather information check you have is enough that you could actually catch up with her if you're prepared to put the time into it, because she's ahead of Michaela by 
several minutes as opposed to it was five hours ago that she left. There's still going to be a bit of time before the joust before the jousting actually gets underway. Yeah, I think Michaela will put the effort in. Yeah. So she was seen heading on a horse that away, so Michaela yeah, gets on a horse. horse. Yeah, because <laughs> quite definitely doesn't want to walk there. Although, of course, Mika- no, sorry, Michaela's quite fast when she's not wearing armour, but still not running down a horse on foot unless you're Britain. Yes, she gets a horse and horse and rides after her. And heads that away. Um, and let's get a view, so... Uh, Carrying her tower shield and her regular Asian brand should be longsword but not wearing her armour given that she's just been to a party. I will actually give you Michaela at this point. Uh, can Michaela roll me a survival check? Uh, well, she can certainly roll one. She has a half full bonus to it. She does indeed, and thus she gets a seven. Okay. Uh, so, you... She follows some horse tracks and sort of loses them a bit. Yeah. And continues to head in vaguely the same direction. Um where she comes across Elora, who is off her horse um, and is doing something with a bunch of branches and things. But Michaela has no context. She has a bunch of branches and what look like some woodcraft gear, and Michaela is not a woodswoman and has absolutely no idea what she is doing. Um, and as Michaela rides up like a maniac, going clankety, 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 clankety yeah. in the process. Uh, in fact, um, given this, uh, can Michaela give me a spot check? Uh, good girl. Uh, eight. Okay, so what she rides up on is actually an abandoned horse with a bunch of branches and things cut and hanging all around it and that sort of thing. It looks like Elora has very hastily abandoned the horse, possibly when she's heard Michaela coming. Yeah. And your guess would be that she's around here somewhere, but she's hiding from you. Michaela obviously does not see her. Okay. So, um, Michaela sort of glances around, uh... Yeah, you're now in the woods. Yeah. Uh, hello? Uh, Elora? Uh, I'm, um, Michaela Morank, uh, Stagthorn's High Priestess. I, um, just wanted to come and congratulate you, but you seem to have left the performance, so I was a little, little worried. Is everything alright? It's no business of yours, you hear echoing slightly around from the trees. Go back to your, go back to your tournament. Uh... Well, if if you want me to, but I I just wanted to be certain you were all right. Are you worried about some kind of reprisal, perhaps? Uh, Diplomacy, in fact. That's what we're looking for here. Uh, Well, Michaela actually has a decent amount of that. Uh, Is, however, rolling terribly. That's a 16. There's a pause at this. Which is... Like I say, it's no business of yours. Go back to the tournament, Michaela Morag of Stagthorn, before you get hurt. And there is an implied direct threat in there. If you don't leave, she's going to start a fight. Okay. 
Uh, all right, very well, if that's the way you want it. And Mikhail heft her shield slightly in a, I'm not scared, I yep. just don't want to make a fight of this kind yep. of way. And you have the sensation of someone watching you yep. from the bushes. Yeah, and Michaela will ride away. Yep. Yep. There we are. Yes. Alright, and then... Not wishing to be lured into an ambush, and yep. I think possessing only average concern for the well-being of um, someone totally unrelated to her, but um, she more wanted yep. the political knowledge about what yep. was going on. You spend the afternoon drinking through into the evening, listening to all these preposterous boasts and all that kind of thing. There was one more thing that I wanted to do. Go for it. Um, so, with the boast done, um, Kaelin is going to um, come up and congratulate Gregory. Gregory. Yeah, who looks, it must be said, notably nervous as yeah. you approach and sort of, ah, your majesty, do do not have to concern yourself with the joust that is upcoming. Uh, I've got a moment here. Sure. Let's... Let me let me buy you a drink of this fine blackberry mead. Clap you on the back. Congratulations on your victory. I'm and, sure King Hannah Strayliv will be most pleased with how this came out. Aye, aye. I mean, he seems to have uh, disappeared off, but no doubt he's still about. I mean, wouldn't leave the tournament midway through. That'd be a terrible shame. Certainly not, as he, like every representative here, would be covered by the diplomatic conditions of the <laughs> Rushlight tournament. Naturally. And, um, yes, Kaelin will warmly and publicly congratulate Gregory, making a, um, not afraid to, um, make a bit of noise about it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as he, um, goes to clap him firmly on the back, perform this. That's two. (laughs) (laughs) And will then walk off. (laughs) And... You can make an intimidate check here, actually. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, I am not content with that result. I'm going to re-roll that. Um, I will actually draw Kaelin's fate points in case there's a brilliant intimidating card just waiting for... The crow seems apposite at this time. Uh, so, six hero points, please. Final wins. I spent one on Tristram. You have seven hero points, but I've been whoring you compels. You have been whoring me compels. Alas, none of these seems even remotely apposite, so I will toss a random con card at it. Yep. The wax works, but even for the fact that Kaelin, Kaelin just wants to regular murder Gregory, he doesn't want to torture them horribly yep. in a place of paralysis, so... I just get the regulation plus two re-roll. Mainly just looking for not the crit fumble. So that is a... Uh, uh, 24. Yeah, so... Gregory turns slowly white as you threaten him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... He whispers back to you. None of of this was my damned idea, I assure you. Eh? Not the boasting. Not not the boasting. Not even being here at the tournament. Not what's going to happen next. None of it was my idea at all. It's all Drelev and that that damned woman. Mm -hmm. Ah. 
Sorry? He would give he would actually be aware of this, so he could give you coffee. It wasn't my idea. It was all Dre Live. And that damn midwife. Oh. And then he will move away from you at repetitively. Yeah. Alright. Now you know who Goody Nisk is in bed with. Interesting. Possibly not literally. Who can say? Yeah, well. I mean, given what he sleeps with on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he's but, got he's got his dirty weekend girl, but you know he may actually the poor bastard be knocking books boots with Strim trailer, At which point, Goody Niska isn't actually that old, despite her, I believe, despite her tendency towards crone. Uh, she she is like mid fifties, so she's, yeah. she's definitely older than like Drayla's wife is not actually particularly old. She's, she's actually just, age appropriate for it. They're both in their early forties. She's just yucky. She it's just that. What she is, is she's one of those 40-year-olds who's trying desperately to look 20 and yep. instead looks 60. It's the, yeah. It's the extra, it's the extra makeup. If yeah. you put on enough and then your face is, yeah, and then you, and then you screw up your face, you get kind she's of She's not stunningly thing. attractive to start with and her grotesque refusal to age gracefully has not done her any favours. Yeah. Also, she gets like a minus five circumstance bonus, circumstance penalty for having a yippy dog of that particular yippy dog variety. <laughs> It doesn't do you any charisma favors. <laughs> All right, and um, Kaelin will at that point um, actually um, send a runner to find Michaela because he wants yep. to briefly speak with her. Obviously, Michaela is actually out of place, but she turns up later. And um, you know, Kaelin will slip off for a bathroom break, but yep. instead go talk to Michaela. Yeah, like thing. as long as you're generally around drinking, no one's yep. that worried. It's only if you piss off for what's clearly an effort to avoid drinking. Yeah, uh, had a little very polite word with Gregory about um, his congratulating him on his victory. Uh, he wanted me to know that it wasn't his idea, which I sort of knew already knew. He says it was all Dre... Uh, uh, what well, he is subject of the boast. He says it was all Drelev's idea. Subject and, of the boast and what will follow after. And, and uh, yes, and, and that damn midwife. Niska. Not only that, he seemed... He wanted to make it real clear that what happens next isn't his idea either. We should certainly keep an eye out for any effort to remove you or Bryn the children anything like that I I think um, there's no reason that they um, can't all come out and watch me and watch me compete something nice in public and watch your ale I don't like the fact that your drinks have been prearranged if you detect anything off in the taste at all we want to know about it immediately I'll keep an eye out I know that half the time you don't notice <laughs> centaur incident. I confess I'm relying I'm relying somewhat on um, natural hardiness. But. Yeah, you've noticed nothing of the sort, and indeed the GM has asked you to roll no fortitude saves, but this is where Michaela's brain goes. Yeah. Like, somebody wants you to drink a specific brand of ale, it's a setup. it's poison, it's death. But it does occur to me that Drelev and it, if some terrible magical accident were to befall the tournament at this juncture. If someone isn't just coming after me, but wants to cause some chaos for the rulers generally, Hannah Straliev and his, except for Gregory, who's got kind of got a target painted on his back, 
nowhere to be found. We might want a password to keep an eye out for something, a larger attack. I mean, I don't think, um, I don't think most of the rulers, most of the rulers would have the sense not to sponsor like, something like that given they'd not be here. But Dre lives out on a limb. Yeah. He may be desperate enough. And Niska sure as hell doesn't give what, care what happens it, in the River Kingdom. It, it would absolutely fit with them. The thing is, like, if all the other kings were to die when a meteor hit the Rushlight Tournament, yeah. that, that was probably Drelev's fault. Or even just the fact that he left, you know, half an hour before uh, the meteor killed everyone. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of obviously, it'd kind of obviously um, be him. It might serve, it probably serves Drelev's needs in the short term, it almost certainly doesn't serve them in the long term. And it absolutely suits Gunnyneska's needs, because a massive war and the chaos and discord that would follow. The thing is, um, Drelev's not showing a lot of concern for his long term prospects. His plans appear to be growing increasingly short term. At this point, you know, he may be convinced if he doesn't take out the other kings, one of them's going to knock him off in the near future. Yep. Then yep. it is time for the semi finals of the Joust. Dun dun dun. dun. dun.